you um, just remain standing as I pray? So Father, we are standing before you the only way we can because your, stand, your son stands with us. That like Stephen in Acts chapter 7 when, when they are stoning him and it says that I see my Savior standing at the right hand of God. Lord, I thank you that already this morning we have gotten a taste of your grace. We have seen glimpses of your glory. I pray now as we continue to worship you in the word, we would worship you. Not your word. Not, not even the gifts of your spirit. You. You are the end. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And we are here to worship you. That we might go out there and share you. Because you're what it's about. So as we continue to worship you in your word and in discussion and, and at your table, Lord, I want to pray that we would just continue to drink deeply from the fount of living water, that your spirit would overwhelm us, that we would feel the freedom we have in Christ to move around the room, to pray for one another, to talk openly, to confess sin by hanging it on a cross, to whatever it looks like, Lord, that we would get out of your way, that we would knock down those bondage barriers that we put up, that we'd stop playing games with Jesus, And that you would help us to just fall into his gracious arms. Lord, I pray now that what we lack, you would give us. What we cannot see in your word, your spirit would show us. What we do not know, you would teach us. And what we are not yet, you would use these next few moments to make us. For your glory, in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Please have a seat. Good morning. We are in this um, season between First Fruits, which was um, Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday, and, and what we started last week when we were able to gather on Pentecost, and we're doing something a little different. We spent those seven weeks from Resurrection Weekend to Pentecost looking at um, Jesus, which is a lot of what they did between his resurrection and when his spirit came at Pentecost, just looking at who Jesus is, what he's promised. And we were looking at a series called I Still Am. And last week we started something a little different before we get back into the book of James, which we were in before everything went kind of sideways. Um, and we're going to look, and we're looking at how the coming of the Spirit is Christ's way of saying, here I am. When he left, he said, before he even was crucified, he said, I do not leave you as orphans, but if I go, I will come to you. And the eye that came to us is his spirit. It is him. And so he is saying, here I am. And last week we looked at how he is the power within us. When the, when the Holy Spirit fell upon them at Pentecost and when you get saved, he enters into you. And you are sealed once for all time. As Abby shared, you are saved. Not because of what you did, because of what he's done. The gospel is not you do. The gospel is it is done by him. And so we celebrated that. Today, we're going to look at how he is present among us as we continue in Acts 2 and 4. 
And then next week we're going to look at how he is to be proclaimed through us. And then I'm not exactly sure if we're going to get back into James yet. I'm praying a lot about whether we spend a little bit more time just talking about what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. But we'll get back there eventually, Lord willing. So today we're talking about here I am, Christ's Spirit present among us. So not just within the individual believer, but among us as his people gathered. And that is something that we don't hear talked about nearly enough, especially in America where we have personalized our Christian experience. It's just all about me and Jesus. And even that's pretty loosely defined what that looks like. But there's not enough talk about the power. We are going to see the supernatural act of the birth of the church, which is just as supernatural as the individual being redeemed. Right? It, to be born again is a supernatural thing. But so is the formation of the church because the Spirit is in both of those things. And we're going to see that today. So today we're going to be in Acts 2 and in Acts 4. And I'll tell you why we're skipping Acts 3 when we get there, maybe. Today's question is, how is the Holy Spirit's presence made manifest among, in our midst, among us? How is His Holy Spirit presence made manifest in the gathering? And what we're going to do is talk, these next two weeks are really a combined message in Acts 2 and 4, and we're going to talk about basically how do we show off the Spirit? How does the gathering help us individually and collectively show off the Holy Spirit and, and, and ultimately God in how we live our lives? So the, the passage that we're going to be in in Acts 2 and 4 are going to take us through, first, everyone gathers what we're doing today so that we can be strengthened to go because we're not to stay here all the time. We gather to go in the power of our collective withness. If you remember when we were doing uh, 2 Timothy, we talked about how, how do we walk with Christ. And it's, the, it's our withness, our ability, what Sean talked about, what Sean prayed about, our withness, our being with Christ is, is what gives us our strongest witness to the world. Sometimes that's, again, as Sean said, the people that are right in, front, in our own homes. So let's look at our first point, everyone gathers. Open up your Bibles if you haven't already to Acts, or to Acts chapter 2, Acts 2, and I'm going to pick it up in verse 37, because we have some important things to talk about before we get to kind of the gathered time. Acts 2, 37, everyone gathers. Now when they heard this, this was Peter's speech that we covered last week, they were pierced to the heart so he shares the gospel with them. The Holy Spirit convicts them of their need for grace. And they cry out, brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children, who, who, who for, for all of you who are far off, and for as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then, they that had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. Praise the Lord. I mean, that is a movement of the Holy Spirit. And because Peter didn't save them, God did. But that's, the mission has always been the point of the Holy Spirit. 
the mission to point people to their need for Christ is what the Holy Spirit is doing. Right? But, but, but look and see what is, what is the call that he made on their lives. It was really simple. Repent, believe, and be baptized. That is the mission we're on. We're, we're on individually, how if, if you came to Christ, if you're sitting here and you are saved, it is because you came to understand that you needed a Savior. Repent. Believe that he is, that what he did on the cross was sacrificial for you and satisfying for God. And then be baptized. Now, what's with the baptism thing? Guys, the baptism isn't about the water. But here's what it is about. Because he's not talking about the baptism of the Spirit. He's actually talking about being baptized. Here's what being baptized is about. It's not about getting in the horse trough, because that's what we baptize people in. It's about making the public proclamation. Guys, it is about, it is about, it is about being so in that you don't care what people think about you. Because what happened in those, because this was, the church is just starting. They would walk into this trough. I saw it when I was in Israel a couple years ago. They would walk down into this trough cut out that was full of water, and they would just turn around, and they would walk back out. And the whole idea was, now everybody in the Temple Mount knew who just claimed Christ, because you are soaking wet from top to bottom, right? There's no denial. I didn't do that. And they're like, so why are your clothes all wet? Right? There was, you couldn't do that. It, was the, the, it, is, it is repent. I, I know I need Jesus. It is believe. So, so my, heart, my heart has been changed from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. And then what, what the baptism is, is your, it's, it's your act of obedience. It's saying, I'm not just taking Jesus as my Savior. Because this is how we've sold Jesus. Jesus is your Savior. He died on the cross for you. Praise God. And we'll, uh, absolutely. The step... The step of being baptized is, is one of the ways. And, and what Peter's saying here is it's like the first, like the out of the gate, first thing, you're saying, Jesus is also my Lord, and I will do what he's asked me to do. And what he asks you to do is be baptized. So if you haven't been and you would like to be, we can bring our horse trough. We would love to see that happen in the next few weeks. You just let me or one of the leaders know, and we will see that happen. But guys, we have to be willing to join in with John Newton, the guy that wrote Amazing Grace, when he said, I am a great sinner, and Christ is a great Savior. See, once we get there, once we understand that, that yeah, yeah, I'm a sinner, and, and I can get up in front, of my, in front of the family of God, and I can confess my sin and go, because... It doesn't, my sin isn't the point. No matter what my sin was, Christ's saving power trumped it. So who cares how big my sin was? And who cares if I get up in front of people and tell everybody about it? We've got to get past this, oh, I don't want anybody to know about my sin. That's the enemy. We've got to bring it in. That's, that's the whole idea. Of, and, and guys, anytime, whether it's to, to bring a card up on the cross, you can do that. And we, are, we are all about just allowing the, the Holy Spirit to move on you however you feel led. So if you need to, whether that feeling led is bring a card up here or that feeling led is I just need to go outside for a minute because my kids are driving me crazy, that's okay. Right? We've got to get over, in every sense of the word, these boxes that we've put our Christian walk in and just start letting the Holy Spirit, His Spirit, Christ's Spirit in us, move us how we feel led. And we all need to be comfortable with that. And I get that for some people, including this very structured, administratively minded person, that is a hard place to be. But it's where we need to be. 
Guys, last thing I'll say about, about baptism, here, here, here's ultimately what, what it says to, for, for your heart, for your people, the people out in the world that know you. It is saying these are, it is like the front door into the church. Baptism is the front door into God's people. What it means by that is it doesn't save you, but what he's saying, it is a proclamation of going, these are my peeps. This is who I belong to now. And so we want to just encourage that as much as possible. So let me pray to that end. Father, I just come to you right now in the name of Jesus Christ and in the power of your spirit. And I pray whether it's people sitting in this room or people that are listening on um, Zoom or um, whatever, or, when, or whenever they hear this, that your Holy Spirit would move on their hearts if they have not repented, that today would be the day that they repent. If their hearts have not been changed and they would say, yes, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, that today would be that day. And then that ultimately, if they have never taken that step as a professing believer to, to say, these are my people because you are my God, that they would come out and just say, I'm ready. Let's be baptized. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pick it up. In verse 42, he says, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers, and everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And, and so, get, so, get, so, so they're gathering together and doing exactly what we're doing today. And I'm going to come back to that verse in a minute. Teaching, communion, fellowship, prayer. That's why we do what we do today. Right? I'll come back to that in a minute. And they're gathered together. And, but look at the effect it has, not just on the church, but on the community that's watching, that's being invited into the space, which is why we need to be inviting people that are not yet in the family of God to come and join us and just say, just come be part of the glorious mess and let the Spirit do this to them. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles and all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. Guys, it just screams togetherness. It, there's nothing in there about individual Christian experience. All who believed were gathered together and had all things in common, and they began selling their property and possessions and sharing with one another as anyone had need. Now get how this affects, because what, 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 what you hear is, yeah, but the gathering together is just a whole bunch of, it's, it's just that, that Christian huddle. Okay, and if all we ever do is gather together and we don't know why we're gathering together, that's true. But, but look at the effect of their gathering. This, because they gathered together and had all things in common, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Do you see the power of the togetherness? It was in his presence among them that unbelievers went, I don't know what they've got, but I want in. How do I get there? It was that their witness with him and with each other was their testimony. It is not an either or. It is a both and in the body of Christ. We need to gather. We need to go. We need to gather. We need to go. I want to just but, but what we just saw here, this coming together, the apostles teaching, breaking bread, fellowship, prayer, that is the birth of the church. And it is as supernatural an act as an individual believer being born again. Why? Because the church is a supernatural, fit-together entity. Look at what they do. They spend time in the Word. I'm not going to spend, we're not going to talk, like the, the four things they were doing, they spent time with the apostles teaching. That was the Word of God. We, we literally preach about the importance of being in God's Word all the time. 
right? It's Doug's soapbox, reading and responding to the Word of God. Why? Because the Word is Christ. He is the Word. The Word is truth. And everything else out there changes. And if we're not, if we're not anchored, if we haven't set our anchor deep to this, we are easily led astray, even by things that we think are the Holy Spirit. Like somebody who just says, I'm spirit-led, and you ask them, so tell me about your time in the Word, and they go, I don't read my Bible, run. I'm just telling you right now, run. Do not get caught up in somebody's teaching that's like, yeah, we're just spirit people, we don't really get into the Word of God. That is not biblical. I'm like, oh my goodness, that's crazy talk, like literally. It is, because, because it, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in my quote-unquote spirit that may not be the Holy Spirit. And if I'm not filtering it through an unchanging truth, there could be a whole lot of Doug in there and a whole less lot of Jesus. So fellowship. That's and when he talks about so they, they devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship. It's koinonia fellowship. Koinonia fellowship is fellowship around the things of God. That's why we're doing the discussion talk stuff that you're going to have here in just a minute. It's not, I mean, it is good to just hang out and talk and talk sports. I mean, that's a good thing too. But it's also good to have intentional time talking about the things of God. That is koinonia fellowship. Communion. We're going to have communion today. So I'm going to, that's the breaking of bread. And then prayer. That's why we've tried to make prayer such a big part of our, of our service. And that started over a year ago. We started sort of our expanded worship of having that, of what we called um, worship and prayer, turned into pre-service prayer at 9.15. We started that over a year ago. This, this has started just last week, obviously. But what we're trying to figure out is how do we make prayer not just this thing that happens during part of the service, but is an ongoing piece of the mess. Of the, of the, and, and that's what we're, tr we're just trying to open up the space for that. But even more than just this kind of environment, my, my greatest joy in how we have grown as a people in prayer is when I see people praying for each other before, during, and after the service. When you walk up to somebody and go, hey, how can I pray for you right now? And you pray for them. Or somebody's telling you what they're struggling with and you're like, you know what, let me just pray for that right now. And you just start praying for them. And we're seeing that happen more and more and more all the time. So I am, I am thrilled out of my mind for that. So when it says, in verse 42, when it says, and they all devoted themselves, all means all. That means all the believers came together. It is a picture of the priority of the church. Guys, the church, the gathered local community of believers was massively important. How do I know that? Who did Jesus write? Who did Jesus talk to in Revelation chapters 2 and 3? The local church. He didn't write to just believers everywhere. The local church. What are almost all of the epistles addressed to? The epistles are all the letters in the New Testament. The local church. Why? Because the local church matters to Jesus. That's who he's coming back for. That's what he died for. And what we have done, there was an article that we posted on our Facebook page. The Gospel Coalition uh, put it out a while back about how about how in some of the states that closed down hard on churches and everything else, when they started their phasing back reopening, they put churches in the non-essential category. The article wasn't written about how dare the government do that. Here's what the article was about. How, why are Christians okay with that? Like, nobody said any, and here's why. Because most Christians who even attend church regularly do not see attending church as essential. They see it. Because I'm going to ask you, I, I'm not, don't raise your hand for this one. Don't ask for a mic. 
How many of you were more excited about your gym reopening than church starting back up? I mean, just, just as an example. Like, because that's what you see on social media. And it's because we have made church less than essential. And it needs to get back into that essential box because it is one of the ways we reveal the glory of God. So, 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 so ultimately, this whole, we keep calling it a glorious mess that we're trying to just give space for the Holy Spirit to work in. Ultimately, it's just getting back to the basics. All of it is being filtered through. As I prayed about this and prayed about this over two years ago, I'm like, what did the early church do? Acts through the first three centuries. Frankly, up until it became an organized religion when Constantine in 350 AD started the organized religion of Christianity, that's when things started to go south in the gathering. It's because what they, here's what they did prior to that. Taught the Word of God, broke bread together, had communion, fellowshiped, and they prayed. So how do we open up space for that? How do we get rid of the junk? How do we add back that stuff in? So that's your table talk question. It says, how can we get better at getting back to basics as a faith family? The basics are the word, prayer, communion, and koinonia fellowship. How can we get better at that? What needs to go and what needs to be added to our lives as, as you're either individually, as your family, or as, a, as the family of God? So take a minute at your tables, turn and talk. I'm going to pray right now because I know this is kind of an awkward thing we're growing into. So Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus and in the power of the Spirit that you would be in these conversations that are going to happen over the next three or four minutes at these tables. Lord, that you would help people speak and help people listen well. Lord, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And I'm going to ask a few people to share like I did last week, so be ready. Prayer. Okay, so could you... Um, Kind of wrap, like maybe wrap up your time, see if you have anything worth sharing for the group. If you have something you'd like to share, raise your hand. Um, Daniel in the back, somebody grab a mic. Um, I know, um, go ahead, Brian. Thank you. Right, no, that Daniel, sorry. Hello, hey, hey, good morning. So, Addie, we were talking, and Addison said the way we treat one another. Um, is one way that we need to get back to basics. And I said, so the way that we love one another, right? And she said, yes. And so she sees a lack of love sometimes, even amongst Christians. And, you know, if you talk about outsiders coming in, if we're, you know, not able to love one another and have that uh, Quinonia fellowship, then it's all for naught. So That's I awesome. thought that was good. So. That's awesome. So, so what, I, what I heard there, um, from, and it was from Addie, actually, was... Um, are we others? Are we others oriented? Like lo loving. So if you see somebody walk in the room that you don't know and they're looking awkward, like I don't know anybody here, is your attitude like somebody ought to talk to them, or is your attitude I need to go over there and speak with them, right? Because because that's what that's what lo love risks walking across the room. So it's yeah. For, for, well, here's what I got. Out of for, well, the first was the was the point Addie made, which is. That, that it's in the uncomfortableness that we grow, right? That if all we do is, is play church, just in the context of, of comfortable in, in, in our gatherings, if all we do is play church and just do church the way we've always done church, because that's how I like church, there's no opportunity for growth there, right? We, we, we just, we, we, our tendency as people is to just level off, to just get into a rhythm and we never, it's, it's in the storms it's in the uncomfortableness that we grow. The second thing I learned there is that if you want a child to be spiritually like in tune, apparently you name her Addie. 
because we got two of them and they both had great answers. So, awesome. So, remember today's question that we're looking at is how is the Holy Spirit's present made manifest in our midst? First, it's everyone gathers. But guys, it's important before we move on to the next point. It's, it, it's important that we understand why do we gather. It isn't to gather just because these are the people I love to be with. Because, because if a gathering, and, I, and I've talked about this a lot, if our gathering is only with people that look like us, think like us, have the same political views as us, or the same color as us, fill in whatever that is, th there's very little opportunity for uncomfortableness there. Right? And all we're looking for are the people that are going to help us feel good. That is not what the gathering is about. So the question isn't, do we gather? The question is, what is the purpose for the gathering? Yes, we gather, but to what point? And, and I guess for the example I thought of was this week was, I feel like it's like, it's like we gather. We've talked about how the, Holy, the, the word for the Holy Spirit is the same word as breath, is the same word as wind, right? And it's a picture of what we used as the example before was how... how um, we are, we're like sailboats, and the Holy Spirit is always blowing, but what we have to do is, is fix our sails. We have to get our sails up to catch the wind, and part of the gathering is, does that. So one, there's a sailboat, but then the other thing I was thinking of, because some of you didn't really get the whole sailing thing, because, well, we live in Arizona, and none of us have ever been on a sailboat, is it's a little bit like blowing up a balloon if the balloon are the people out. The reason we gather here is that the Holy Spirit would fill our lungs, <gasps> so that we can go out and breathe them in to other people. So that we can go out and, and, and take people that are spiritually dead, and not us doing it, but be used by Him by breathing in His power and the Word of God life into them. There you go. I wouldn't touch that if I were you. <laughs> but here's the problem. One, there's a whole lot of people out there that need to be brought to life. And two, we run out of air. That's why we have to regather and regather and regather. Because by the end of the week, I might be like, I got nothing left. So I need to be like, so I, man, I'm going to pass out. Is it bad when you start seeing the little white things, you know? Um, so that we can somebody else that needs to hear about Jesus, right? So ultimately, why do we gather? I'm going to try to tie this one off. Why do we gather? It's to strengthen each other to go out, right? Now look, look at, I'm going to leave it there and it'll distract you for the rest of the time. Now, look at, look at what happens next in Acts. We're going to pick it up in Acts 4. So go to Acts 4 now and we're going to pick it up in verse 1. Now the reason, I, oh by the way, but the reason I skipped chapter 3 is I taught on chapter 3 on Resurrection Sunday. So what happens in chapter 3 is, so they're having this amazing time, the Holy Spirit has fallen upon them, they're gathering together all the time, people are being added to the church day by day, and Peter and John just one day, they're still going into the temple to preach Jesus, and they see the lame man, and they're like, and the lame man is begging for alms, and they're like, we don't have any money, but here's what we do have in the name of Jesus, stand up, bam, they pick him up. And everybody's either really excited or really freaked out and really angry. And so the Pharisees are going to grab a hold of Peter and John because they're afraid of what they just saw, which is exactly what we do today. When there's something we don't understand, we get fearful. When we get fearful, we turn that to anger and criticism. And that's exactly what happens here. It says, as they were speaking, verse 1, the people... The, the, 
as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to them, being greatly disturbed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they, and they laid hands on them, Peter and John, and put them in jail until the next day, for it was already evening. So they arrested them for preaching about Christ. But many of those who heard the message believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. I love that, that, that the gospel cannot be imprisoned. That they might have imprisoned Peter and John, but they didn't imprison the gospel because 5,000 people got saved. But where does Peter get that power? Where, or where does he get that encouragement? Part of it is what we saw last week. The Holy Spirit indwells him, and now he's bold. He's no longer the denying Jesus, Peter. But part of it is because he has been gathering and seeing the power of, of God moving among the people. And so now he's like, I'm not alone. You can arrest me, but somebody else is behind me. This is not like just me, and if, I, and if something happens to me, Peter, what am I going to do? He has been so soul-encouraged by being with God's people. He's like, what are you going to do to me? There's 8,000 more of us already. What are you going to do? And so he's, he has he is been encouraged because he has seen not only the Holy Spirit work in his personal life, but he's seen the Holy Spirit work in the togetherness. Guys, understand this. The church... The local church is one of two supernatural relationships God designed. The local church is one of two. If there's only two, there's only two relationships. Brother and sister, biological brother and sister is not a God-designed relationship. Yes, you are to be nice to each other. Yes, you are to care for one another. But that is, the, the relationships that matter to God are one man and one woman married and the local church. He puts his spirit into both of those. Malachi 2.15 says that he joins man and woman in their union, right? That's why he cares so much about marriage, and that's why Satan hates it so much. Let me step aside for a second from the pulpit and make a little announcement. In light of that, because marriages are so under attack, we have had a marriage retreat that we're doing our fourth annual marriage retreat in, on July 24th and 25th at the Boulders. It's 140 bucks for the, for the it's Friday night and Saturday, but get this. By, by a complete act of God. Because you guys have heard me teach all three years, and, and I, you hear me enough, like honestly. And we were just begging God for months. Lord, provide somebody to do the teaching on marriage. And, and through a relationship that Carrie has with Aaron Smalley, Gre Greg, no, yeah, Greg, because his brother, brother is Gary, or his dad is Gary. Gary Smalley's son, Greg, and his wife, Aaron, are going to come and do our marriage conference. This is a couple that, guys, what we're able to afford to pay them as our little church is they get 10 times more than that. Literally, ten, they travel all over the world teaching on marriage. And they're coming to do our little marriage conference at the Boulders in July because that's who God is, right? Praise the Lord. But here's the thing. When word gets out, because they work for Focus on the Family, when word gets out that they're coming, it's going to fill up. So get your name, even if you can't pay today the 140 bucks, get your name in the back there so you can reserve your spot. Um, Michael and Janine Bailey will be sitting in the back of the room after, when we're having our fellowship time afterwards. Okay, so that was enough of the commercial. But the point is, back to the point, Marriage is a matters to God, so it matters to us. That's what the retreat is for. But so does the local church. You're going to read in your daily reading this week in Ephesians chapter 4. There's one faith, one Lord, one baptism, 
one God, right? It's speaking of the oneness. It then goes on for a couple of verses and says, and Christ ascended to heaven so that he would send his spirit, and then it goes on to the very well known, and he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors, teachers, for the building up of the saints, for the equipping of the service of going out. But then get, get how it ends of this passage in Ephesians, how, how clearly it shows that the local church is not just a bunch of people that decided to get together. It is the Holy Spirit saying, I want you, 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 get in there. And here's how Paul says it in Ephesians 4.16. He makes, he, the Holy Spirit, makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Guys, do you see what he's saying? He, the Holy Spirit, fit us together. If you're sitting here today, it's because the whole, whether you knew it or not, it's because the Holy Spirit told you to come. And, and it is critical that we see this kind of, the, the local church relationship as a spirit-anointed thing, just like marriage, that should not easily be broken, just like marriage. Peter is feeling empowered. Why? Because we empower and equip one another. We help support and defend one another. So he's up there going, what are you going to do to me? I got a bunch of friends now. I got a bunch of people that believe what I believe, that are doing what I'm doing, and, and, and what are you going to do to me? He knows he's not alone. It is in the isolation that we experienced over the last 11 weeks or so where the enemy starts to get us to be fearful and doubt, and we start to drift. And we're seeing that. I talked about that last week. You're seeing that in the church. A lot of churches that have come back and started regathering are only seeing 20 to 30% of their people regather. Now, there's lots of reasons for that right now. People that aren't yet comfortable, which is understandable, all kinds of things. But part of it is because people, the enemy used this time to convince people. And, and obviously, I'm preaching to the choir, but you have friends that are in this camp. Talk with them. Plead with them. Whether it's to come here or just go somewhere where they're hearing the Bible taught, I don't care. This is not about growing Cornerstone. This is about growing the kingdom. But, but plead with them to not see church as, well, I'm just streaming it on YouTube and we're, just, we're really good. You know, we have, a, we have our neighbors over, we love them, and we're, that, that's our church now. No, it's not. It, guys, my, my soapbox for years has been reading and responding to God's word every day. And I'm not going to stop that. But guys, this, the, the, the importance of the local church isn't like number two. It's like 1A. The whole, I mean, the things I have read, the stuff that, in the word, and guys, it, it matters so much to Jesus Christ. The local church matters to Jesus. You belonging to a group of people and saying, these are my peeps and I'm in this with them till the end matters to Christ. Because shared experiences are powerful experiences. Look at verse 5, and I, I know I'm going long here, but look at verse 5. He says, On the next day the rulers and the elders and the scribes gathered together, and Annas the high priest was with them, and Caiaphas and John and Alexander. So they gather all the heavyweights to see what to do with these two guys that keep preaching Christ. And it says, in verse 7, it says, and when they had placed them in the center, so imagine that picture. Here's Peter and John standing in the center of the most powerful people in their world, really. And it says, when they placed them in the center, they began to inquire, by what power or what name have you done this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, interestingly, 
He had had the Holy Spirit at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. So how is he filled here? This is one of those moments that because he's proclaiming the gospel, the Holy Spirit comes upon him in power. Remember we talked about this last week. He is with us prior to us coming to Christ to draw us to Christ, to get us to say, I believe. When we say that, he is in us, seals us, and when we're out doing his business, he comes upon us. So it says, Peter, being just being filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes upon him and he says, rulers and elders with the, of the people, if we are on trial today for the benefit of, that was done to this sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people in Israel that it is by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, not just Jesus Christ, as if he has to qualify it, Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, that one, the one you crucified, who God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you and the builders, by, but, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, and there is no other name among heaven or earth by which a man may be saved. Is Christianity exclusive? Absolutely. The coexist bumper sticker is wrong. There are not many ways to, cry, there are many ways to God. Jesus Christ said himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's it, right? But it is also incredibly inclusive because the call to repent, believe, and be baptized goes out to everybody. The whole world. Repent, believe, and be baptized. Now it's between them and the Lord whether they respond to that or not. So here back, so, so back to the, the question. How is the Holy Spirit's presence made manifest in our midst? Everyone gathers to, to be strengthened to go out because they know they're not alone. And so with that, your table talk question that I want you to look at says this. How is the Holy Spirit's presence made manifest? I'm sorry, I'm reading the question again. What? You're like, why is that? The table talk question. What are some strengths of being fully invested and connected in a local church? What are the, like, what are we, like, what are, how does that help you? How does all the stuff I've just spent the last 10 minutes talking about, how does that help you? Go. Okay, so um, just in, kind of in the interest of time, because it really depends on what table you're at. Like some conversation could go for a long time. Others, it's sort of that awkward, I don't know what to say. So one, as, as we regather next week, start mixing things up. Like invite people intentionally. Hey, why don't we sit at the same table next Sunday and let's start talking. That's what we like, just to sort of get some new voices. Um, because this, this whole discussion time, we'd love to see grow. Um, but I also see all the people that are kind of awkwardly like, I don't know what to talk about right now. Um, so it's sort of trying to split the difference. So just, we'll continue to grow into that part of the glorious best. But would somebody not named Addie like to share something? No offense, Addies. Kim here, Mark. We were just talking about accountability. It seems easier to open up to our family when we come through the doors, you might be close to somebody at work, but you just can't open up like you can here because everybody pretty much knows your story here and they can sympathize and maybe you tell them what happened during the week and they know instantly halfway through your story, well, I either can give you an answer or I can help you or I'm just gonna stand here and listen. So we all kind of agreed that accountability and that not that we expect you to be here every week, but it sure is fun when you get here. And I was happy that we reopened because I work out at home. 
<laughs> thank you, thank you, Kim. That's awesome. One more. Anybody got one? Adam over there. We got to get a couple of mics and some young people that are fast when we do this. <laughs> oh, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't mean to call you old and slow, Mark. I really didn't. Well, and speaking with our whole table here, uh, I think we had four people speak and four people gave a different answer and all of them were correct answers. And, you know, we read about the body of Christ, you know, is everybody in ear, is everybody in nose, is everybody a foot or hand? Everybody brings something together that you wouldn't have otherwise. So I think for us, that's what stuck out to me. So Awesome. Awesome. So you have this, just like, it's this, like, if, guys, you have the same Holy Spirit I do, right? And so it... Yeah, I mean, I, I get the benefit of spending time studying the Word um, to prepare for this message, but that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit doesn't give you insight into what's being taught today to talk about. And so to have more voices sharing is an amazing thing. So um, not something we're all comfortable with, but it's amazing. Yeah, no, wait. Sure. Um, okay, so I just, I wasn't going to share, and then I felt the Holy Spirit like, hey, you need to, like, poking me, you know? so uncomfortable. But um, anyway, I just felt like he was poking me to share with you guys, like maybe for some of you who aren't quote unquote, like bought into the whole importance of the local church and uh, that sort of thing. Like I grew up in a family where it was like we were committed to going to church, um, but it was just more for the sake of going. We didn't really get plugged in or connected so much. And so when I married Mark, um, this was a very different way of thinking about things. And it made me really kind of uncomfortable at first and still kind of does sometimes, if I'm honest, um, because I'm a very like introverted, um, I enjoy my alone time, like I covet it. Um, I'm very protective of it and so, um, Oftentimes when Mark and I talk about getting more involved in church, it's kind of like this initial like, mm, like, but I, I need my alone time, <laughs> you know? Um, so anyway, but I've seen the benefit over the year of us being married of just the beauty of being involved in the local church and how even when I come in feeling like depleted or you know, I don't have much to give or I, you know, honestly, like I really would rather be home than here, like just being completely honest. Um, I find it in those moments, someone is encouraging to me or supernaturally I'm encouraging to someone else, which I don't understand. But um, anyway, if there's any of the family that's feeling similarly, if I'm not the only weirdo in here that's feeling that way, um, I just encourage you, stick it out, stick with it, because it really is a remarkable and supernatural thing. Thank, thank you, Karis. I'm, I'm glad you, I'm glad the Holy Spirit nudged you to do that, because, because I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I mean I'll, I'll tell you, I feel like her. Like, honestly, like, last week was as, as soul-nourishing as it was to me. It was exhausting. I felt like I'd been sitting on a couch for 11 weeks and I just went tried to go for a jog and wondered why I was out of shape. 
right? And it's like, that's because I was spiritually. And, and there are Sundays where, or small group times, whatever, where I'm like, I would say to Carrie, is it a bad thing that the, that the group leader needs to convince themselves that they need to go? You know, because, because, there are, because that selfish part of me just goes, I would much rather just do what my own thing the way I want to do it, right? I, I get that. I'm, so this is, but, but it's also in the sense of going, it's, am I willing to, to say, but just because I want it doesn't make it right. And, and gathering is something he has called us to do. And, and there's a reason for it. And it's because what you were just we draw strength from the withness, from the gathering together. And that's our last point. And we're going to go into communion actually with this is that so that so so how is he made present among us we all gather together so that we can go out in the power of what the collective witness witness has done for us right it's 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 filling our lungs with his spirit it, it's what um sean prayed or talked about when he was reading acts 4 13 the last part of our passage he says now when they saw the boldness of peter and john and perceived that they were uneducated common men they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Guys, our witness, our walking with Christ is the only real witness we have. If, if, if people are witness, if we're not walking with Christ, what are people witnessing? They're witnessing us or whatever we're being discipled by because we're all being discipled all the time by the stuff that we take in. So it's in our withness with him. Well, how is he with us? Guys, I was going to ask through to show a hand, but we don't have time. But how, are we, how is he with us? Well, we know. He's with us when we read the word. He's with us when we pray. He's with us when we take communion. And he's with us, the Holy Spirit connecting this body of people together. This, what is the church called in the, in the Bible? The body of Christ. This right here is Christ on earth right now. We are the body of Christ. All the pieces fit together. This is what Christ is doing on the planet. We are it, right? I, the Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, Holy Spirit-connected churches are what God, through Christ and His Spirit, are doing on the planet. The question becomes, do people recognize that in you? It was what Sean asked. Are you recognized as a Christian? Okay, so the question I've been asking myself for two years, I pray this every day, and I fail at it every day. When people are with me, do they feel Jesus? When people are with me, do they feel Jesus? The only way that's true is if he is with me, and I am walking with him. Our gathered time, we should walk out of here today looking and smelling more like Jesus Christ so that when we go out there, people recognize him in us. That's the point of gathering. Guys, it, the local church, this gathering together by his power is the real tangible way we can experience Christ. And one of the other ways at the gathering is through communion. So what we're doing, and, and because it's only our second week of doing it this way, I just want to quickly explain. So there's a couple of communion stations in either corner where there'll be a couple that will pray with you it's two cups. The bread is on the bottom of the second cup. The juice is in the top cup. What I'd ask you to do at those places is go over. For those that are going to take communion, if you're a believer in Christ, take the cups. Come over to the couples that are praying with you. We'll pray together. Then you'll take the cups together. There's also, for those of you that would just kind of like some more space, you just need some alone time, to Karis' point, 
There's a table in the back that has all the implements there as well, and you can take communion right there as well. But the, but the point is that this is a time for us to do a few things, right? Communion is a time of reflection. It's a time of evaluation. It's, but it's also a time of kingdom proclamation. It is a time where Jesus said, and I'm going to close with this and pray for communion. It says, for I tell you now that I won't eat of this meal again. That's the, what we're being reminded of in, in communion. Until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. And, and he said, Take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. So, so communion is a time where we look back at the cross and what he's done for us, and we praise him for it, and we look forward to the moment he's describing. When he comes back in power and glory, and we sit with him at the marriage supper of the Lamb, and we don't take communion anymore, because we are in perfect communion. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for the cross that made that possible. Lord, that, that from the fall, we have been hiding from you. Because I have trust issues. And from right after that moment, you have been pursuing your people. And the cross is... is the perfect picture of that pursuing. It's a God who loved us so much that he pursued us to the point of death, even death on a cross. But you didn't stay dead. Our Savior lives, what we sang earlier. And you rose again and you ascended on high and you're seated at the right hand of God and you sent your spirit to indwell us and empower us. Why? So that we would do your kingdom work here. So Lord, as your kingdom people, may we live by kingdom power for your kingdom glory. And may we look back at your pursuing love on the cross. And may we look forward to your consuming love when you, bring, when you make all things right when you return. In Jesus' name, amen.